welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the show, and I'm so excited to have Tara Mackey on the show today. She is the best-selling author of Cured by Nature, a soul singer and global motivational speaker. She is the founder and CEO of The Organic Life, recognized as one of the healthiest companies of the year. Tara has been honored as Woman of the Year and named one of San Diego's most admired CEOs of 2017. She travels the world as an activist, inspiring people to make bold and brave moves take actions to live their dreams and create a more sustainable and empowered world. Tara's work, journey, and life has been featured by Forbes, Teen, Vogue, Glamour Magazine, Yoga Digest, Reader's Digest, Women's Day, ABC, Fox, Pix, MSN, Mental Floss, San Diego Business Journal, Essence Magazine, Travel and Leisure Magazine, Well and Good, Live Strong, Brides Magazine, and so many more. And you guys will find out exactly why. And I'm so thrilled to share this beautiful conversation with you. So let's get started. Tara, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. I'm so excited to be here. So for like the two people who are out there who maybe have not heard of you yet, could you <laughs> could you share uh, just a little bit about your journey? I was just, oh my God, I was just getting completely wrapped up right before this in your story, in your book. And I was like, oh my God, the, you have such an amazing story and you would never ever guess it from the outside just looking in and that's what I love even more so I'm so excited to get into this conversation but do you mind talking about maybe sharing what you do now and Mm -hmm. how you got started on that path totally so now my job really I I write self-help books and I have a blog and an organic skincare company um, and basically anything else you can touch as an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, and um, but the way I really started um, is, you know, this time seven years ago, actually March was my seven year anniversary. I came off of 14 pharmaceutical drugs, cold turkey, many of which I'd been on for over half my life for 11 years um, before opioid crisis was two words people were putting together, you know, before anyone was doing this. When most people were going on drugs, I was coming off drugs, um, which no one had told me to do. <laughs> and um, I came off cold turkey, which I do not recommend anyone do. But but what I do now is I help educate people really about kind of how to do it the right way if that's the choice they want to make. And, and in general, more so I help people um, recognize the, the things in their life that are holding them back and then create new habits that really help propel them forward. And that's really the focus of the new book as well. I so relate to your story and I wasn't on 14, but I was actually on three different, um, 
medications and I, I went cold turkey as well. I was just like, it was this point of this realization of having to face, I just was ready to finally face what it was that I had been trying to cover up and it was just anxiety um, and depression. So I was reading yours and I thought, I can't even begin to imagine what that journey looked like because did you feel like when you were doing that, was there a point where you didn't recognize yourself or what was the point when your intuition started to talk to you that it was time to do something different? Oh yeah. I, I think, you know, you get sick, like especially when you're on drugs from when you're a kid and for half your life and for a long period of time, like, and you don't need to be on 14 different drugs to be affected by this. And they're, they're making them more and more potent and, and easier to get prescribed. Like when I was prescribed antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication, that was by psychiatrists. And now, um, doctors can prescribe that regular, um, you know, medical doctors that you just go see cause your thumb hurts. You can leave with a prescription for Zoloft and trust me, I've, I've been there. Um, since I've come off my drugs, I've gone to a regular doctor and told them I was going through something and, and have them try to give me a prescription for something like an antidepressant. And, um, and I definitely was at a point where I was not recognizing myself. I was not um, recognizing my connection to other things. I was sick. I was in the hospital with kidney infections and um, like liver illnesses. And just my whole body was just in toxis basically all the time because of I wasn't eating correctly. I wasn't drinking enough water. I was always dehydrated. I was working these really tough nine to five, aka 14 hour a day jobs that were not getting me outside or good for my health. I wasn't exercising. Like I think all of that combined, you know, my, my, um, best friend took her own life in January of 2011. And that really, gosh, that kind of, I think was one of the breaking points that, that showed me that like, I got to do something drastic. And unfortunately my, the drastic thing that I did was try to take my own life, which I talk about in both my books and, very fortunately did not work out. Um, because in that moment I realized like when I didn't feel anything that something else was going on. Like you said, you're medicating for a reason. Like anyone that takes a pill is doing so because they want help. And I wanted help, but help hadn't come in the form of orange bottles. Help hadn't come in the form of the people that I'd let in. Help hadn't come in the form of really my family situation, which was very toxic growing up or anything. And I knew in that moment that I had to start over. And in figuring out I had to start over, I immediately saw myself for who I truly was, which is a divine human being who has made a lot of mistakes, but doesn't have to be defined by that. And so I think sometimes these moments, like our worst moments in our lives can be huge awakenings. And that's definitely what that you know, those three months were for me because that same month I tried to take my life is the time when I decided like that same week that medication was one of the most toxic relationships that I had. And if I wanted to do anything with a clear mind, there's no way I could do it on 14 different drugs. Mm. And so I had to start over. I had to start over everything. And coming off my drugs was not something that I intended to be a permanent decision, but once I found solutions that were intuitive and natural and had and side effect free that actually worked, it, there was no I couldn't turn back. I couldn't put in that much work over a month or two months or six months or two years 
and go back to square one when I knew there were other alternatives that actually worked. So you, t- you talk about growing up and just how, how on this path did you get to this point of, number one, getting on these medications? And what was the most influential um, experiences in your life that maybe got you to those moments? So my, my biological parents, my father, my biological father was my mother's like drug dealer, essentially, you know, they were never married. And my mother uh, was an alcoholic and and got into hard drugs when I was growing up as well and overdosed in front of me when I was six years old. And so my grandparents got custody of me when I was seven. And my mother was, she survived that overdose, but she was in rehab, in and out of my life, in and out of jail, um, very tumultuous times in my life for a long period of time. And then she got sober for two years. And then right before high school, she relapsed in front of me again. And then that same week, I got put on my first drug, which was a mood stabilizer called lithium. Um, That's like a very heavy duty mood stabilizer that normally they put, you know, adults on. But I was on an adult dosage as a child. And um, I really feel like you know, when I, especially now when I look at the symptoms of bipolar disorder, there's absolutely no way that you can look at a 13-year-old child who's a straight-A student and has exhibited literally, you know, literally no signs of anything that's on there. You don't even have the capability of exhibiting half the signs because you don't have any money to recklessly spend. You know, you don't have a job to quit. You can't go move to Europe, like whatever. I was a very good student and was in a lot of extracurricular activities, really didn't have any symptoms that fit this diagnosis, but had a you know, very small family history of a few relatives with mental illness. And between what my mother had gone through, like I think it was just them kind of trying to do it as a like a pre pre-medication, you know, like, uh, well, this will help her eventually anyway, like this is something she's going to need to be able to get through what she's seen. And if anything, it made, it made me numb and it made everything I'd seen harder to deal with because I no longer had the mental clarity or capacity to really understand what I was going through in the way that I had when I wasn't clouding myself with something that's literally designed to make me a zombie. Could you explain what you're talking about when you talk about numb? Because when I, uh, you know, when I reflect back on my journey and the more and more people that I've talked to, whether it's, you know, medication or food or something that we're numbing out on, it's, it's kind of like we're all doing the same things to ourselves. So what does that look like um, when you're in it, but you don't necessarily realize what you're doing yet? I feel like it's like... Our harmful habits, any of them, and we all numb, like you mentioned, in different ways, whether we are binge watching TV or we're procrastinating or we're taking medications or we're doing drugs or we're drinking, um, they're all a distraction from our true purpose. Like that's what I recognized of like I'm doing all these things trying to heal and what I'm not doing is I'm not singing and I'm not getting outside and I'm not writing and I'm not creating and I'm not giving myself the time to be who I really am. And so I feel like that's how you recognize what you're numbing out with is it's the things that maybe used to provide you with a reward. Maybe when you were a kid watching an hour of TV or five hours of TV made you feel good. But I remember going on bike rides making me feel a lot better, you know, and going down to the beach with my friends making me feel a ton better than watching five hours of Pinky and the Brain or whatever, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. I definitely 
Um, and, but what sucks is I walk around and I don't see like kids outside that much. And so I feel like it's becoming more and more prevalent because kids are growing up, going to their phones, going to social media, going to TV and video games and stuff as the escape, as the numbing out. And they're never learning the healthy coping mechanisms, the healthy habits that can really help their life and propel them where they're supposed to go and reveal who they truly are. Because it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to go binge watch a show. It's easy to go drink with your friends. It's easy to go gossip and do something mindless. But what's hard and is is what you know is going to be rewarding at the end of the day, right? Isn't that like the hardest thing to get yourself to do is like, mm-hmm. you know, that like you might have a million dollars sitting in your inbox and you just don't want to reply to that one person that can really propel your life forward because you're afraid. I think a lot of people are just afraid. And so we numb because we're afraid of living up to our true potential. But that's, man, if we're not here to do that, what are we here to do? You know, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I can't, that's when you really feel truly alive and things start to make sense and the world aligns for you is when you're doing what you're put here to do, not what you're distracting yourself with. Mm, You're taking me back to so many times when I was really um, starting to transition from kind of one purpose that I realized wasn't necessarily the purpose. It was the point to get me to another purpose, which was Mm -hmm. like a fitness career to get me to another purpose, um, which was to make a lot of money to support the real purpose. Um, Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And just the, the transition man was like, Oh my God. I just, like you said, I remember just making these appointments and every single call I would have to get on was like, it was torture to me. I'm not going to lie. And once I was on, I was happy, but it's like, I would face resistance like 10, 15 times a day and it just became this normal thing. So what, what do you share with people around what it really looks like kind of when you start to step into this journey of purpose? Cause I think we, you know, some people can be like, shouldn't this feel good? (laughs) It does feel good though, doesn't like you said. Yes. Getting over so you get scared and then you get over the initial hump of getting scared by just doing the thing. Mm. I know it sounds so simple, but I mean Wild Habits is literally a book that outlines all like choosing new habits that seem really intuitive, like going for a walk or not being on your phone for an hour or watching the sunset, you know? Mm. But it's things that we just don't indulge in and and that really adds up at the end of the day. I feel like Instead, we need to be focusing on adding up these moments that bring joy because that's bringing us closer to who we truly are and that's going to bring us closer to what our goal truly is. And then that's going to pave the way for people to help us and all kinds of things to come in our direction that we've been asking for for such a long time. Mm. It's so great. That is everything that you just said right there, adding up moments that bring joy. And it's, it's the craziest thought because I'm, I'm coming out of a busy season and literally I'm, I have a couple days this week and I'm asking myself questions like, what would make me happy this week? Like what it's, it's crazy. It's so basic, but I have to ask myself this because I feel a bit lost in this other business identity. So for you, (laughs) for you growing up, was there influences in your life that had kind of sparked a feeling of purpose for you that reminded you of who you were? Oh, definitely. So Tony Robbins, of course, was one of them. Like I, one of the most amazing gifts I got as a kid was my uncle gave me a copy of um, Awaken the Giant Within and then the accompanying, you know, personal power audio tape cassettes. And I would listen to them every single day after school, all day on the weekends, like on my Walkman when I left the house, just like 
you know, my book, uh, the book that I carried around with me for years and years, it's in New York now um, with my family, but I have other copies, but I still have the one from when I was a little kid and there is more underlined like parts than not. And I read that when I was seven. So I can definitely wow. say that that had a huge impact. And then watching Oprah after school every day with my grandmother had a humongous, humongous impact because I went to a very small school. It was like me and 10 other kids. I went to the same school with the same 10 kids like my whole life till high school. And they all came from very nuclear family situations. Like no, no, nobody's family was even divorced. So I didn't have any examples other than those two people really because those were the only people I even know in the early 90s that were talking about that stuff of like how to get people through their problems. Like so many other shows were exploiting people's problems, like the Jerry Springers of TV and stuff. But Oprah was actually going out there, bringing light back into people's eyes and helping them through some of the worst things they'd ever gone through. And, and I really gravitated towards that as a child because I mean, what can give you more hope than that? Like you think you're going through it. Look at these people who lost their home or lost their whole family or you know, whatever. And, and somebody, an angel basically is showing up to help them. Not only that, it made me want to become people like Oprah and Tony. It made me want to become somebody that not only gets through their own shit, but then can have the power and the capacity and the healing done within to go out and help other people. And that's why I feel so, so incredibly grateful that I get to do what I get to do right now, because it's all come and it's, feels almost like it's happened so fast. Like I was just wishing for this like yesterday, you know? Isn't that funny? It happens so fast yet, yet so, so fast. slow sometimes when you're I in, know. The <laughs> in the middle of it, you're like, wait, I have to wait how long for that? Like it's just, it's, I always tell people that it's so fast when it comes, but you feel like, I don't know if you've had this experience where you just feel like you have had to wait maybe way longer than most people, which is oh, yeah. not the case, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I moved out to California with $300 and a month plan. Like I didn't, you know, I don't have the resources that a lot of people who want to become people who help people in my industry have. Let me put it that way. You okay. know. <laughs> I need to learn about what that journey was in a minute because that's yeah. – so you guys, $300 in California is, is like if you move to the Midwest with 30 cents. Like yeah. <laughs> legitimately <laughs> the same thing pretty much. Yes. <laughs> you can like maybe go out to dinner once. But um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't really do that on 30 cents. Thank so $3, $3. Um, <laughs> or I wouldn't have eaten. <laughs> exactly. Um, so in your book, there's – I love that you have it in three different sections and you talk a lot about um, mental practices and labels. And I thought, you know, that the labels really hit me because I I felt the same. There, there were just so many different labels that I thought were mine. Like I really mm. owned them. Like they were oh, tattooed yeah. on me. I had so much trouble getting over them. So can you share a little bit about some of the labels that you had and how you got over them? Totally. So, you know, I was diagnosed as bipolar at 13. That's going to have an effect on you. So even if I didn't, and it was weird because at first, of course, I resisted it in any way you can when your parents have paid a psychiatrist $125 and they've basically guilted you into taking this medication, you know, but I feel like the more I took the drugs, the more I believed 
that that's what was wrong with me. And even if I wasn't introducing myself like, hi, I'm Tara, I'm bipolar. Like I absolutely lived it. I was making, you know, I started making crazier choices. I started doing more reckless things because they tell you when you get a label that this is how your behavior is going to match up to that. And after maybe after not after a year or two years, but after five years and 10 years, guess what happens? Your behavior matches up to that. Like there's no, you can only resist that for so long. And so I definitely started acting like I was bipolar. I definitely started getting angry and having mood swings and, and I was in pain. I was diagnosed with, you know, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and then, um, and scoliosis, and I was in pain all the time. Half the, because I was focusing on being in pain all the time because I had doctor's appointments coming up or I was constantly popping pills for the pain and then they would wear off and then I would be in pain again. Um, and I carry that with me into everything. And if, if you think being in debilitating pain doesn't have effects in other areas of your life, it absolutely does. Like it affected my relationships with other people and, um, and I was even diagnosed with ADD. And though I never really took on the symptoms of that, I, I, I don't know. I definitely started to believe something was wrong with me. Once you have more than three labels at 16 years old, it's hard to think that you're a divine, perfect, capable human being who can do anything you want when everyone's treating you like a mentally disabled child. Um, and so I understand when people receive labels and then take on the personality of those labels, even if they didn't have that to begin with. And I suggest one of my big suggestions in the book is if you do decide to go on medication, keep a journal of how you feel beforehand for at least a few weeks and also what you expect from the medication. That way you can see as time goes on if it's actually matching up to your expectations or if you're changing your expectations based on the drug. Because that happens. I know it does. It's ha- I've watched it happen to me for 11 years. You're, if These drugs change what your brain chemistry is doing. And you start to accept things that you wouldn't normally accept. Mm, interesting. So do you have any, you know, it, it's crazy because in life it's like we can do all of this beautiful self-work and all of a sudden we can become very successful. We can become super happy. We can have these amazing businesses. But do you have any labels now that have maybe come with success that have held you up to an expectation or that you're always kind of trying to um, overcome or be aware of? That's an interesting question. I feel like I, because of exactly what I talk about now, I try really hard not to label myself. And even when people ask me what I do, it's so hard for me to answer because (laughs) I'm working on so many different things at once. Like I have this book coming out and I'm working on an album and I Mm -hmm. speak and like I have this organic skincare company and I blog and like, I, I don't know if I can label myself. And I guess that's what always made me so angry about having so many labels as a kid and as a growing adult, because I never really felt like I should fit into this box of whatever, of even like a boss babe or successful woman or entrepreneurial woman. Like, that's great. I'm all of that stuff. But I don't, I do feel like when you really start to attach yourself to these labels, they hold you back. Like so many of the women, especially that I talked to were like, oh, I want to branch out into this, but I don't have any experience in that. And people know me as this. And it's like, who can't, people will know you as whatever you do. Mm. 
in that moment, literally, because that's everyone's attention span right now. So, <laughs> so just do it, girl. <laughs> because so true. I guarantee you, they'll just be like, oh, she sings now? Cool. Awesome. She's really good. And they'll share it with their friends. Like, it's just do it, whatever you want to do, because the, we live in this world where people, I really feel like we're hungry for more information and we're really hungry for people to be multidimensional and more than one thing, because we all are. Mm-hmm. We just are so used to putting ourselves in these boxes and slapping labels on what those box that box is that it's I don't know we just don't end up sharing all these different sides of ourselves and I'm not even trying to do more of that because I feel like the more you can show people no I'm this person oh no today I'm that you know what I mean and not it's not weird that you're changing and growing all the time I think that's what people really respond to mm, no I love that so much I I literally feel that whole statement because I know I know you're like you know you got your hand in everything like what do you do when people ask you what what do you say I literally get really weird because I don't know what I do I'm like I don't know I do what I want it like I do what I want that day or what feels good and it used to be so frowned upon so I kind of understand like why people desire these labels is it's it's like you're respected when you have this or you seem like you have it all together when you're very linear and you have one thing except I could not be more opposite of linear so for me I felt like a crazy person forever so I love that I actually love that um, you're showing all of the different sides because it does give people freedom to say oh there's not something wrong with me or I'm not scatterbrained it's like wow I'm a a human so yeah and even if you are a little scat like I've had to to admit to myself I'm a month before book launch and I'm a little scatterbrained (laughs) like I had to hire extra help and that's okay too like there's no way we can all be you know run four businesses and have two kids and be a perfect wife and like we can't we were not built to live in this world you know Disney princess movies did not Mm. (laughs) prepare us for running businesses and being a modern day woman and it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to like I show like my assistance and my help as much as I can not to say oh my god I have help but to be like I don't do this on my own there's then there's no way I could you know what I mean and thank god these people exist and they're women and they you know like you know they're doing what they want to be doing too because it's okay to ask for help. And that's something I'm definitely still learning as Mm -hmm. somebody who does like pretty much everything on my own. Mm. But, um, but also I think it's important for us to teach other women how it works to run your own business and, and to, to live this life and to do these things, because it's going to be really important for every single woman on the planet to know this, because that's the direction everything's headed. Mm, I love that. It, It is so important to see the inner workings. I, I remember living in the Midwest, like being ashamed to get someone to clean my house, even though my business was taking off. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I can't tell anyone that I don't like clean my house. And now I'm like, I have have someone to do this and that so that I can do this. And I love them. And I love, I love working with people. And the more that you can see that, the more it's, it's so much more rewarding and fun. Like it's yeah. just better for you to work with people. It's beautiful. Yeah. And you're bringing value. I mean, if you're paying somebody mm-hmm. to do something for you, you're bringing value to their life. You're spending, you know, even if you're spending money on help, you're at least doing some, you've recognized that you need that help. And that is growth. Like to me, mm-hmm. when you've gotten to that point, you've, you're like on the edge of a tremendous amount of growth, not only because you now have help that you didn't have before, but you've accepted help that you weren't accepting before. Mm-hmm. 
So beautiful. So you talk about in this book a lot um, from your previous book that a lot of people asked you how, and I think that's the biggest question of how do we change out our habits? Because we're really just a couple habits away from creating this epic life. So what does that look like though? Because we did talk a bit about the resistance, but bridging the gap of where they're at to where they want to go, bringing in a new habit. Yeah, so that's where the wild method comes in, which this book outlines um, in part one. It outlines what what it is, which I'll go into. And then the rest of the book is basically examples of how you and other people can and have implemented it into their lives. So WILD is an acronym that stands for willingness, intuition, love, and discipline. So we need to have the willingness to accept that whatever we're doing currently is not working, which is sometimes the hardest part, right? (laughs) I honestly feel like, but like I said, then just go back to recognizing what am I doing that's distracting me? What am I doing that's holding me back? What am I doing that's, you know, really just keeping me from living my true purpose? And it's going to be, we're all doing the same thing. We're all spending way too much time on social media. We're all watching too much TV. We're all not getting out enough. We're all not spending enough time with our families. Like we're all not doing stuff that really is going to remind us and bring us back to who we truly are. Then we need to have the intuition to recognize, you know, what the next step forward is, you know, okay, that's great. I recognize all my, whatever my harmful habit is, how can I change that? Well, you need to have the intuition to realize like, okay, what can I replace it with? And I give a list, a three page list of, of habits that are, you know, you can replace your bad habits with or any habits that are holding you back. Then you need to have the love to actually go out and do that thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can you can go, oh my God, I'm eating too many cookies and I haven't gone on a run in two months. <laughs> and then you don't do anything, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you still don't go on a run, you still don't meditate, you still don't cook healthy the next day, you know, you still don't change what you grocery shop for. Like you need to have the love and the self-love initially to do the right thing in the morning to set out, you know, your clothes or suit up and go on that run or or cook something wonderful and green for yourself and your family. Like that's the love part. And then the discipline is just to do those three steps over and over and over again. Every time you're met with a challenge, every time you have fear to just face it and get over it, to just answer that email and get on that phone call and do the thing that you know you're supposed to be doing next. Cause we all know what it is. And then if you forget, you just go back to the beginning. You use your willingness to figure out what it is. You use your intuition to, you know, go to the next step. You use your self-love to actually engage in it. And then you just do it over and over again. So do you talk about planning that? Like, I know it sounds so crazy. No, it doesn't because this is everyone. Um, yeah. But pl- literally making space for what you just said. Otherwise, we, yeah. we fill it. So how do we even begin to make the space to even have these questions? I feel like you just give your, you know, you make time for what's important. You Mm -hmm. give yourself the time. You wake up earlier in the morning, you know, you turn the TV off when you know you shouldn't be watching it. You take the time to spend time with the people that are important to you rather than the people that are toxic to you. You don't go out every time somebody asks you if you want to go out. I feel like it comes back to listening to yourself, listening to your intuition again, listening to what you know is the right thing to be doing versus the easy or the comfortable thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. So share with me your journey, like to really the um, realization of how powerful your mind is. So there's a bunch of different ways I feel like that it really shows up for us. But for me, it just like the second I started engaging in different and better behaviors, just the easier everything else Mm. got. You know what I mean? I can't. Mm -hmm. 
it, it just shows up in your life. Like the more you start doing the things that you know you're supposed to do, the more you're around the people you know you're supposed to be around, the easier things become. You know, you get the recognition that you've been waiting for for 20 years and five days. You know what I mean? You get like, it's, it just shows up like when you're doing the right thing and you're not denying your goodwill instincts, um, your mind and your body start to work synergistically. You become what you pictured yourself to be the whole time, not just career wise, but I feel like you're more willing to go out and do things that will reflect your body fitness wise. And you can look in the mirror and feel like you're looking at the person that you should have been looking at the whole time. Your mind and body connection is always there. Your mind is always listening to what your body's doing. And I feel like that's why meditation is so important because that's our real superpower. That's our real mind body connection. Like if I don't, when I started meditating, things started happening rapidly. I mean, rapidly. And I discuss um, a study in the book about monks that they studied in Himalaya, in the Himalayans who meditate. And they were able, they actually showed that they had more gamma um, outside of their body. They had more gamma rays than the average person, I think by like 200 times. Mm. And what that proved is that they had the capability of healing themselves. They used those in cancer therapies and radiation. Now, these monks had just by meditating, given their body the capability of warding off cancers naturally, rather than having to go do aggressive chemotherapies. And I think just not only scientifically is that very powerful, but I think spiritually it brings us back to the idea that of like just how powerful it is to sit with ourselves and sit with our own thoughts and, and be quiet for a while. Like how much that heals your body when you're focused on what's best for not just you, but humanity. Mm, just connecting into that, you know, knowing that we're so connected to a wisdom that's just greater than anything that we can fathom. I love so that. So beautiful. Yeah. So for you, if you had to pick one, what would be the first one that you feel is most important as a habit? Food, meditation, or moving? Definitely moving. Mm. I really do feel because a lot of people don't want to meditate because they want to be up and out and doing things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like get up get out, do things and then meditate <laughs> and then, and then eat, you know, eat mindfully. Um, but if you're not moving your body, I just feel like other things get stagnant mm. and how are you going to want to sit for an hour if you haven't moved all day long, mm. you know? So, and then it just becomes easy. I feel like the more I exercise, the easier it becomes to, to sit and relax and, and be, you know, have quiet time. Mm. That's literally that that would be the order I put it in as well. I feel like the first getting out of like my massive whatever frenzy of beginning childhood. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just moving through it because you have yep. so much just energy or stagnation or, you know, all these things that you're holding on to. It's like moving. You literally move that energy through your body. Yeah. And your meditation will be completely different if you move beforehand. Mm -hmm. Like you'll have less to work through because you'll have worked through it while you were moving and thinking like I think differently when I'm out in nature. That's why I just I, I keep coming back to it every day. I share cured by nature and stories and stuff just because it's like 
I can't, I'm a completely different person when I don't get out of the house. And I know it might not be the same for absolutely everybody, but I can guarantee you 99.9% of people are going to be happier if they've taken a walk around the block. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, literally, you know, you know, being an entrepreneur, like if you sat at your computer for even longer than two hours, like you go through the like, I can't think I suck. (laughs) This is terrible. And then you go for a walk. You're like, I'm amazing. I have so many great ideas. (laughs) I am magical. I came up with four new songs. (laughs) (laughs) Writing a book, right? Right. I'm sure writing a book and writing songs. It's like, it's right when that starts to come on. I'm like, I got to go. I got to go move. I'm getting really <laughs> weird right now. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, there were so many different things. There's so many things in your book I want to talk about. Um, and I'm just going to bring up, uh, you talk about just judgment and criticism and how we can free ourselves of that. Because I do think living in uh, times of social media and wanting to put yourself out there, not only worrying about criticism for being judged for showing our authentic selves, but also how we can sometimes go down the rabbit hole of judging and criticizing other people and what that Mm -hmm. does to us. So can you share a little on that? Definitely. Yeah. Well, toxicity, I feel like in the modern age is showing up in so many different ways so rapidly, right? Like the news used to be the news. Now it's bad news. (laughs) 99% of the time. Um, And social media used to just be one or two pictures. Now it's everybody all the time, everything like the top tippy top moments of everyone's life. And um, I just feel like it's becoming more prevalent, more ubiquitous to recognize what toxicity looks like. And when we're we've taken on too much, you know, I mean, I, I talk in the book in Wild Habits about Um, I use examples of, you know, women who've literally gone out and gotten plastic surgery the same week that they got like obsessed with some girl's Instagram account just because they wanted to go look like her, you know, and these kind of extreme cases, but they happen every single day and they're so prevalent. And we think we know, here's why judgment is just like, I really try to, I feel like most of my job right now is helping people step away from judgment because toxicity is really easy to recognize, but it's like really difficult to stop. And so many people are like when we surround ourselves with it, then it's really hard to step away from it because people feel us stepping away from it and they want to bring us back into it. But there's really simple things we can do. Like I do a phone detox every morning for an hour and every night before bed, at least I don't look at it. Um, deleting apps that you find yourself on the most, like at least once a day, or if you're trying to get something really big done, I would delete the Instagram app immediately (laughs) and just don't re-delete, you know, don't download it again until you're done Mm. because judgment is just so prevalent and it's so hard because we don't know what we think we know about other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And then there's no end to it. Like you can spend your whole life comparing yourself to other people's lives, even if you have the best life in existence, you can be in Turks and Caicos and want to be in the Maldives. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) there's literally no end to it. You can like be living your best life and still see somebody and go like, oh, I wish I was there. You know, oh, I'm not at the Oscars. (laughs) I'm on a private island. Like who cares? (laughs) Are you happy? Like that's not going to bring you happiness. Like I honestly just feel like we have to get back to focusing on the present moment and remembering that no matter what someone shares, especially if it's in the form of a picture, that is one second of one moment of their life. Like, that's nothing. That has nothing. That has not a, no reflection of who they are or what they're doing. And to make a life decision on that, like a plastic surgery decision or getting a you know anything, even just 
basing our next moment off of something that we've seen someone else do rather than focusing on what we were doing, it's a distraction. It's a, it's another distraction from our true purpose. And so I definitely present tools in the book that um, can help anyone to to detox and, and get over it because it doesn't serve us at all. You know, like I love following people like you because everything you post is like positive and real and amazing but like there's so many accounts that are just uh, like thinspo with like donut emojis <laughs> you know and you're like this is what is this how am I supposed to feel right now <laughs> I know <laughs> like and I can't support that like I don't know <laughs> like I mean I love looking at pretty girls as much as every other girl and guy on this planet but there's only like so much I can t- you know we can't do spend our whole lives doing that <laughs> oh I know and it's a it's a real feeling for me like I will I, I get to this point where sometimes I'm like really like enjoying their fashion and I'm getting really really inspired and then it it can change like immediately and the second I notice that I, I'm trying right now to even say it out loud like like not yuck to them but yuck to how I feel and it'll yeah. it'll make me say yuck that's my point of I'm projecting something about what they're putting out onto them or myself and it's yep. time to just put the phone down like yeah time to go because the energy's low now and I recognize why (laughs) and I'm just gonna slowly step away from the phone (laughs) yep and sometimes it it just helps for me to go wow I'm actually in you know I'm making myself feel yucky it's time to go do something that feels delicious so you know (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and and it is that recognition I've seen people and listen like you're in the self-improvement space you know there's so much hypocrisy (laughs) there's people who who teach people how to, you know, tell people not to be on their phones that are on their phones all day long. And I've actually been really surprised because I, when I'm with people, I am very present and I often forget I have my phone with me and stuff. And I've always just kind of been like that. And I, I want to stay like that as much as, and as long as I possibly can. So I do try to be really present when I'm with people, but you know, I've seen people just get so caught up and they can't put it down. Like it's, it might even just be an addiction to staring at a screen. Like, I don't know what it is, but, but it's scary. And, and some people don't have that, that feeling you're talking, that icky feeling where they're like, okay, I got to step away now. Or they may have it, but they don't recognize it's coming from, they just wasted 15 minutes of their life on Instagram and didn't even realize it, you know, just scrolling and um, and it's it's stimulating in a way, but it's definitely not propelling any of us towards our goals. Like it might be, it might inspire us to do like one or two things, but I don't remember the last time I got you know my vision board from Instagram. Like it's mm-hmm. every once in a while, it I'll see something that I'm like, oh, I'll incorporate that into like a photo shoot in the future, or whatever. Those are some really cute pants. Like where did she get that? But uh, you know, for the most part, it's. You, I just feel like it's, we have to become more conscious of why we're doing what we're doing, which is really um, the steps that are outlined in the book of just ask yourself why over and over again until there are no more whys left. Because I guarantee you it's, you're going to come to the fact that it's a form of self-punishment, that if you really want to take the next step, take the self-loving action Mm. and you're not going to engage in that anymore. Mm. You know, when you, when you put words to it, because that's self-awareness, right? And when we put mm-hmm. words to it like that, like, is this from self-sabotage? It's mm-hmm. really, it's actually so helpful for me to call it out and be like, wow, why would I actually choose this when I could be figuring out what brings me joy? And yeah. 
like you said, it's these super basic concepts that we have just been taught or we've seen to not even look at them. And then when we call them out as these basic concepts, we're like, well, that's almost too basic. And it's yeah. totally not. It's like yeah. such it's intuitive. True. <laughs> I know it's so crazy, but they, we all self-punish. We all do mm-hmm. it, but we don't think about it as that because no one's like, you know, I hadn't, that's why I wrote the book because I hadn't read anyone who'd really called it out for what it really is, is it's a form of putting ourselves down and, mm-hmm. And not always, but when we can get caught up in it and when it starts to make us feel bad and when it it doesn't propel us towards our goals, if we're not using it to connect with people and make appointments and, you know, stuff like this, it's, it just becomes a time drain and another way to procrastinate and another distraction from our true purpose and our true goals. And, um, but we all do it, but we just don't talk about the fact that we all do it. And so I feel like bringing it to the forefront and bringing some self-awareness to it. And if you can go, oh my God, and, and then just start the replacement. Like I talk about the replacement, just being getting up and going out for a walk and putting the phone down, like just put it down. You don't have to take a picture of everything you see on your walk. It's going to be okay. I promise you, <laughs> you can take one walk without the phone. Or if you feel that weird taking a walk by yourself, like go grab your sister and tell her she can't bring her phone either and go on a walk with someone else. Mm. Phoneless. Like it's, but you have to not only identify what you're doing and why you're doing it so you don't do it in the future, but then have a replacement habit for it. That's actually going to propel you to do what you want to be doing. Oh, I love the idea of replacement habits. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I always think about people who are, when I'm on social media, it's like, if I don't, um, if I'm confused on what to do, if I can't, Mm -hmm. if I'm, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, it's always, always because I am looking outward at other people's lives and I'm not listening. Yes. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's when you start to feel not supported or not as supported as other mm-hmm. people, or you don't know what you're doing or how come I'm not as accomplished. No, mm-hmm. I, yeah, we all go through it. And I really feel like the p- people who are the most accomplished go through it the most, right? Cause we're the people that are always analyzing and going like, why don't I have what they have? I want that. I'm going to get it. <laughs> and then we get it and there's no end to it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know, Forbes isn't enough. We need to like have the cover of Forbes or whatever. Like it's just, I know that's how I feel. I'm like, great. I got Forbes. Where's the cover? Like Mm -hmm. I just, and I know you're like that because Mm -hmm. all entrepreneurs are like that. We have that drive. We're crazy, Mm -hmm. but, and we want the best of the best of the best. And that's a great thing to, to want, but it's when we start getting ourselves down about not having it, that can get really dangerous. Mm. Amen. And thanks for sharing that. Cause yes. Um, (laughs) so speaking of things that can drain your energy, you talk a lot about energy because you know, of obviously the importance without energy, there is nothing, there's no achievement, there's no joy. Um, there's no good feelings. So can you tell me a bit about what your focus for energy in the book was? Yeah, absolutely. So energy is really, um, like you said, there's without energy, there's no drive, there's no, we're not going to accomplish anything, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like we also have to find out what, like I talk about our X factor with energy and finding out like what we need to be putting our energy towards. So it's not going to be the same thing for everyone. Like I came off all my medication, but that's not going to be what works for everyone. But we need to find out what works for ourselves and what to be putting our energy towards. So you know, your X factor might be medication plus meditation plus mindful nutrition plus getting out once a day at least 
for an hour, like that's where I want to put my energy. Mm. And then doing, you know, making a map, like mapping it out, putting your running gear out the day before, getting a plan started, getting a running buddy, getting somebody who supports you in your goals. Like I really feel like that's where it's at because Mm -hmm. we can do something for a little while, but that doesn't make it a habit. And the, the way to really make it a habit is to get other people on board that are down to be doing what you're doing. (laughs) So, um, and not only that, like the more you bring those people into your life, the less room you'll have for, you know, the toxic people will fall away because they won't be getting out of you what they were getting before. And toxicity and, and negativity and positivity can't exist together simultaneously, not Mm. for a long period of time anyway. So, I feel like getting getting a handle on, you know, the the five people you're surrounding yourself with, for instance, because those are the people that really end up reflecting our our greatest habits and um and then really just making a plan on what you want to put your energy towards. Mm, so good. I really I love what you said just about connecting with people and having those people in your life because ugh, don't you just feel like looking back over your journey that there's really nothing that consistent positive connection cannot fix like help you with it's so amazing it really is and like the more I do the work the more people show up in my life that are doing the same work and that understand what I'm doing and that support me and that I can support and then like we were talking like you feel less crazy you know and it, it becomes clearer what you're supposed to wake up every day and doing and do because there are other people um are not only directly around you that are doing it but in the world that's supported and people who will buy your books because they need them and people who will buy your programs because, you know, you really put the thought and the energy and the love into helping others. Like once you start helping others, I guarantee you that the majority of the people in your life will also be people who help other people. And then you'll all be helping each other. And like, I had one friend growing up, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I was a one best friend type of person. So the fact that I now have like so many amazing women in my life who I get to like love on and support and, and be open with and talk business with and like trust. And, you know, that's completely a hundred percent a reflection of what I've done with my own energy and what I've put out there and what I will accept in my life too. Oh, I love that you shared that because I, I literally same thing, like maybe one girlfriend because I grew up in a really restrictive religion and so many women ask that. I'm sure that I know they ask you that, like, I don't have these like-minded women. How do I get this tribe? It's like, well, you know, it's doing the work, Yep, (laughs) showing up, like really being like stepping into your authentic self. So, you know, I know your whole book is based on wild habits to really help you Um, You know, you talk about unlocking or releasing your true power. And really, it's like when we do that, we find our authentic purpose. So do you believe that everybody on the planet, every human being has a purpose? Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yes. And I feel like that's why most people are, I don't want to say most people are miserable, but most people are not doing what they feel like they should be doing because they know they should be doing something else. Like we all have a purpose and we all feel it and we all have the intuition that, kind of tells us what it is, but then, you know, self-doubt and and life and other things creep in. But yes, absolutely. Everybody has a purpose. And most people are pretty close to figuring out what that purpose is, Mm. which I think is, is beautiful too. And I think if 
when when I can write books and we can make programs and do things that that give people the tools to just figure out and get some clarity on what that is of like, oh my God, I'm in this soul sucking job and I want to do this, but it's just there's no guarantees and blah blah. Of course, there's no guarantees. There's no guarantees in your soul sucking job either. You know <laughs> what I mean? There's the, yeah. there's no guarantees in life. Period. By mm-hmm. the way, so mm-hmm. um, I think just giving people the tools to to do it and get over the humps of being scared and and not having the support because we're here to support you. Like I literally, people reach out to me on Instagram every day and I'm like, Hey girl, what's up? And they're like, Oh my God, you answered me. I'm like, of course I did. I told you to reach out to me in my books. (laughs) I said, message me. I'll message you back. Like I'm here. This is it. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Like I love, I love that that's what I get to do. Like what an amazing thing that I get to do is connect with people who are trying to find their true purpose. Like, Mm. Isn't that what I said I was like watching Oprah do as a little kid? Like that's what I've always wanted to do. And maybe it's not, you know, scripted and on TV and heavily edited, but like the fact <laughs> that I still get to do it is incredible. Mm, we're, that's one thing that it's like as much as social media is a pain in the rear, it's like so freaking awesome. We can literally do anything we desire like on those mediums. It's insane. So really? such a blessing at the same time. So what is something before we go that you – um, want to share about the book, maybe a message or maybe your favorite part or something that you really loved sharing? Oh, absolutely. So I definitely just want people, because we've talked a lot about overcoming challenges and everything throughout this. And, you know, I just want people to know that like life drowns us out a lot of the time, but it's in overcoming these challenges and why I wanted it to write a book that gave people the tools to overcome literally any challenge. Like there's everything in there from how do I get over addiction to the world's, you know, most heavy duty pharmaceutical drugs to how do I get over abuse? Like I just want people to know that there are tools out there to get over absolutely everything. And then that new person that we can become can show up. And then those challenges that we go through are very quickly, it it becomes apparent that they were there to help us grow. And they were here to help there to help us become the person that then gets to do the thing that brings us the most joy. Mm. So even though it may seem like you're going through the shittiest, worst possible situation right now ever in your life, and trust me, I've been there, I guarantee you that that situation in very short order, if you can just switch a little, like a few thoughts and a few habits and a few little things that your mind tricks you into thinking every single day, that new person that you are and that you have always felt like you are will show up so quickly and things will happen for you so rapidly, it will blow your mind. And I just want people like everybody to know that, that Mm. no matter what you're going through, you're not broken. And every challenge that you're facing is there to help you grow and become the person that you're supposed to be every single one. Yes, yes, yes. I'm like hallelujahing over here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so where can we find you, follow you, order the book and when? <clears throat> totally. So the book is on uh, Amazon. You can Google Wild Habits. You can Google Tara Mackey and it will come up. Amazing. Cannot yeah. wait to really, really, really dive in to this yeah. meaty, meaty book. So yeah. I'm very excited. I just want to thank you so much for how you show up in the world and just for sharing so much of your story and really freeing people and giving them the permission to uh, move through whatever is blocking them. 
Thank you, Lori. And thank you for everything you do. And I'm super excited about your book too. Congratulations. I know. We're book twins, right? Book twins. As far as release dates. I'm so yeah. excited about that. So, Congrats, so you guys, girl. this is exciting. Like you can just support the people in your lives like equally and it makes it so so much more fun when I saw them like, oh my God, I'm not going through it alone. Awesome. Same exact yeah. timing. Yeah. <laughs> you got another girl to add to your tribe. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> I always end on one last question. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So you have like a 30 second elevator ride with someone. It's super quick. It's a total stranger. And they look over at you and they ask you, how can I make myself happy? What do you say? Tune in. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, just tune in. I think we all know exactly, but it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I would just tell them to tune in. Mm, so beautiful. Thank you so yeah. much. And you guys, if you loved this podcast as much as I did, Make sure you share it with your friends. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye.